a balanced and biblical response to lockdowns and masks. Don't you like that medical instrument that policemen is equipped with to help us to survive a lockdown? Biblical worldview seminars are all about applying the Lordship of Christ to all areas of life. And so every BWS is different because challenges are changing. The message of the gospel never changes, the five solas, but our application to every area of life needs to be up to date and current. And this is pretty current. Isn't it wonderful that you've got a government who's so concerned that they really want to scratch the back of your brains uh, to find out if you've got this virus, which is so deadly that apparently you've got to wear masks and just one molecule of your breath might infect someone, but they've got to scrape at the back of your nostrils, brains, and so on, in order to get evidence of it. And most of the people who have it are asymptomatic and didn't even know they had it and had no disease at all. And of course, why would you test a person who doesn't feel sick? But still, the question is, how do we respond to this extraordinary lockdown situation? Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. To the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, our Lord Jesus Christ declared, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Clearly, all authority is delegated by God. All authority is answerable to God. All authority is limited, delegated and accountable to God. The Bible is very clear that God has instituted civil government as an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And this beautiful painting called Justice Lifts the Nations is in the Palace of Justice in Lausanne, Switzerland. The most decentralized and free country in the world, in my opinion. And here is a picture of Lady Justice. Now notice Lady Justice worldwide always is depicted holding the scales of evidence, weighing the evidence, and with a sword of justice. Because after all, the civil government has the sword of justice. They minister of justice. That's the biblical concept. Now for some reason, the Americans always have Lady Justice blindfolded. The Americans seem to like the idea of their Lady Justice being blindfolded, but in Europe, Lady Justice, in all the statues and pictures I've seen, has her eyes wide open, which is the way I would want justice. I want them to have their eyes wide open. But notice, instead of holding the sword up, which is most of the statues and pictures, the sword is pointing down, and it's pointing down to an open Bible, which clearly says on it, Holy Bible. Now, the people of the city are gathered with their different complaints and their cases and their different suits, and they are clamoring for attention. You see the sheriff is standing by, these two sheriffs with German longsword, the double-handed sword, waiting to execute justice. And the elders of the city are looking up to Lady Justice for guidance. How do we decide these different cases? And she is pointing, you weigh the evidence and you apply the Lordship of Christ. You apply the biblical principles to all areas of life. This is, I think, the best artistic depiction of what the correct biblical role of government is. Civil governments are called to be a minister of God's justice, to punish those who do wrong. 
1 Peter 2 verse 14. The Bible makes it clear that the primary duties of any civil authority, the primary responsibilities, are the protection of law-abiding citizens and the punishment of law-breaking criminals. That actually is their sole task. The only legitimate ministries in government, in my understanding, is the Ministry of Defence, Ministry of Law and Order or Police, and the Ministry of Justice. What else do they need? Since where on earth in the Bible are you going to find a justification for Ministry of Youth and Culture or any of these other bizarre titles which is just, who knows why they're there. Psalm 101 reminds us that the duty of God-honoring rulers is to destroy the wicked, to root out evil, to protect the law-abiding. And Psalm 101 says, every day. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught we are to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And to illustrate this, our Lord held up a coin. Actually, he had to borrow a coin. He didn't have one of his own. But so he holds up the coin. And whose face and whose image is on this? Caesar's. And so Jesus said that we to render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar's, like the coin. Now notice, in the context of what our Lord said in Luke 20 and Matthew as well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, the coin. You give Caesar the coin. And to God the things that belong to God. And what do most people today have? The opposite. Give God the coin and give Caesar everything else. Is that biblical? By way of contrast, anything having the image of God, like children, do not belong to the state. Children are not made in the image of Caesar, they're made in the image of God. We to render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and we are to render to God everything else. We render not what Caesar demands, but what belongs to Caesar. Caesar gets the coin. God receives everything else. Soli Dio Glory, as our one rand coins say, solely for the glory of God. The sanctity of life is the foundation for the establishment of all government. In fact, Genesis 9 verse 6, after the flood, God tells Noah, for perpetual generations, the whole purpose of government is, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God he has made man. And so life is sacred because life is made in the image of God. And the first duty of government, the primary duty of government, is to execute God's wrath, his judgment on those who fail to respect life and who are murderers. Not to make them president or cabinet ministers, but to execute murderers. That is the task of government. The priority of any government is to protect the right to life of pre-born babies and every other law-abiding member of society. When I've been called to parliament to give submissions to their different subcommittees and so on of parliament, I remember at the health committee, one of these obnoxious ANC members upon saying, give me a verse from the Bible that says I cannot commit, uh, I cannot do an abortion. I said, that is easy. Exodus 20 verse 13. He started to, you could see the cogwheels trying to move there. Exodus 20 verse 13. What, what is that? You shall not commit murder. Horror came over the face. No, I mean a verse on abortion. Exodus 20 verse 13. Do not commit murder. Life begins at conception, biological, scientific fact. Abortion is murder. It takes the life of an innocent human being. Every abortion 
ends a beating heart. Every abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. The Bible forbids murder. Because those made in the image of God have inherent value, God has declared that anyone who takes the life of an innocent human being is to be executed. Like you cut off a gangrenous limb to preserve the life of a human, well, so you may have to cut off a gangrenous member of society who shows contempt for the rights of life of others. I don't say this lightly. I had to give permission to the doctor and sign for my mother's leg to be amputated. My mother was a nurse and she was a very difficult patient and she never wanted to be mutilated in her words. And she forbade me and my brother to ever give authorization. And we didn't know that her leg was going gangrenous through circulation problems, lifelong smoking and so on. And she was in a coma when the doctor put this to me. He's been telling her for months. It started with a toe and now have to be amputated from above the knee. And it was quite simple. My mother either died in a coma, and she was not right with the Lord at the time, or I gave permission to amputate the leg. Now, I knew my mother would be angry with me, and she was. She didn't talk to me for a long time. She was furious. But she recovered, and she had lost her leg. She lost her car. She lost her work in the hospital. She lost her home because it was on her second floor, and there was no lift and so on. We moved into her home, built a cottage for her. She came to the Lord. She got involved in her mission. My mom found the Lord through that. Now, amputating a limb is not likely done. And it's not nice. But sometimes it's your only choice. And when it comes to society, you cannot allow murderers to wander around free. Murderers forfeit their lives by showing contempt for the right to lives of others. Now, isn't it interesting? This is the primary duty of government. That's the one thing government is just not interested in doing. They don't care. Well, many of them are murderers as well. The creation mandate clearly includes the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private ownership of property. The creation mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Because of the depravity of man, God requires a decentralized state with most authorities and responsibilities and powers resting on local government, on the family and the individual. Centralization is bad in the church, it's bad in the state. Centralization of power in a unitary state has always been a pagan tendency as seen in Nineveh, Egypt and Babel, top-down, pyramid structure. Think of the modern examples of the EU and the United Nations and the AU. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. It is necessary to limit and divide the powers of government in a system of checks and balances. Biblically, governments need to be separated into executive, legislative and judicial branch of government. Now, in Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7, we know this verse as the great Christmas verse. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Now notice, and the government will be on his shoulder. That's the only time you should write cap government with a capital G. I see all too many people, even Christians, using a capital G for government and a small g for gospel. A capital S for state and a small s for saviour. That is idolatry. 
That is statism. It's idolatry of the state. That so many people have deified the state. They capitalized the state and they decapitalized the Savior. This is unacceptable. In Isaiah 33 verse 22 we read, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our king, the Lord is our lawgiver. He will save us. And so, as God has revealed his government in executive, judicial, and legislative branches, so Protestants, since the Reformation, have divided government into executive, legislative, and judicial. Now, the Catholics, like all others, centralized everything, like King Louis XIV of France. I am France, and France is me. My word is law. The king is the law. Rex, Lex, the king is the law. That was the mentality of the Sun King, Louis XIV of France. And that's the view of every society before the Reformation. The chief, the emperor, the king, the pope, whatever, they centralized all power. They were executive, judicial, and legislative. They made the laws, they applied the laws, everything was centralized. But that's not the biblical position. That's not the Protestant position. Our conscience kept the word of God. And for this reason, in South Africa, we separated our government by 1,400 kilometers. Pretoria is the executive capital with union buildings where the president has his office. Cape Town is the legislative capital where we have the parliament. Bloemfontein is the judicial capital where we have the high court. We separate our government geographically and I know it frustrates the communists. When I met Nelson Mandela when he was president, the main issue that he was discussing early on was the need to move Parliament up to Midrand. And I was saying, so what about your promise about land and jobs and homes and for everyone? Do you know how many billions it's going to cost to relocate Parliament and just to build large enough floor space for all the archives of Cape Town, of Parliament? And by the way, do you know that the Cape Town Parliament is on land that was sold to the government for that express purpose by the Freemasons. In fact, the only house of worship in a parliamentary land is a Freemasonry temple. And many members of parliament, including Nelson Mandela, went there to worship. And the Freemasons sold that land, that area for parliament, to government for the express purpose of building a parliament there for one pound. On the express requirement that if parliament ever moved from there, it would be sold back to the Freemasons for one pound. And therefore, they wouldn't even be able to sell it. Now, when I said this, there was no argument. Plainly, he knew about this. But I mean, he's a Freemason of 31st, 34th order anyway, so um, plainly, it wouldn't have bothered him. But what about the thousands of millions of rand that we've invested into the buildings of Parliament? And uh, we've just meant to give that all away to the Freemasons and start from scratch to build a parliament in Midrand. Why? God has instituted four spheres of government. Now, all too many people think there's only one sphere of government and you've got to obey them no matter what. Well, God has instituted first and foremost self-government, symbolized by a conscience. The more self-governed you are, the less external government you need. And this is the task of all good parents, is to teach our children to be self-governed, self-disciplined. If you'll brush your own teeth, no one will have to brush it for you. If you'll tie your own shoelaces, others won't have to tie your shoelaces. If you'll get out of bed at the time, your mum won't have to pull you out of bed onto the floor. And so it carries on. Now, if you are not self-governed, well, 
That's what family government's there for, is to teach you to be self-disciplined, self-supporting, self-propagating, symbolized by the role of discipline. And then you have church government. Now maybe families fail, but the church is meant to come in and help disciple families so they can disciple us, so we can all be self-disciplined, discipled. And the church has the keys to the kingdom. The church is the ministry of grace. And finally you have civil government, symbolized by the sword of justice. Now, can I ask a question? Does anyone ever know of times when your conscience has misled you? Where you were absolutely convinced this is the right thing and later on you discovered you were wrong. Your conscience misled you. We all know that. There's a way that seems right to man the end of his death. I don't think Islamic suicide bombers are going against their conscience. I think they really believe they're doing the right thing and Allah's going to reward them and that what they're doing is so noble to go murder other people while blowing themselves up. I'm sure many communists, torturing Christians, really believed in the cause of the party. So there's many people around the world doing many evil things who are absolutely convinced of the rightness of it. But of course, their conscience has been seared. Their conscience is not, not captive to the word of God. So can you always trust your conscience? No, not unless it's captive to the word of God. Are there abusive parents? Yes, they are. There's, there's some very abusive parents. They're parents who sell their children into prostitution and human trafficking. They're parents who use their children for drug smuggling. And they're parents who murder their children. <laughs> There's people who bought their babies, kill their own babies. I mean, can you imagine? So obviously, while we to respect our parents, there are abusive and bad parents who need to be brought before the courts and dealt with as criminals. Question. Is it possible that there might be a false minister in the church? In fact, right now it seems most of them. Jesus warned us of false shepherds and false teachers and false prophets. Can there be false ministers in the church? Sadly, the vast majority today seem to be apostate, cowards, backsliders, traitors, false shepherds, false teachers, false prophets, prosperity cults, name it, claim it, and frame it. Apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, that blasphemy is endless out there. So do you give your tithe and your allegiance and your unquestioning obedience to every single minister out there who claims to be a minister of God? By no means. So why is it when it suddenly comes to civil secular government that they get a blank check? You've got to obey them all. And the amount of people who completely and utterly misread and mis construct and misunderstand Romans 13. What does Romans 13 say? Romans 13 is telling the state not to be a terror to evildoers, to those who do good, but to be a terror to those who do evil. They are to protect those and praise those who do good, and they are to punish those who do evil. They are to be a deacon of God. That's the word in Romans 13, a deacon. The same word we use for a deacon the church is used in Romans 13 as the deacon of God. The government is to be the minister of justice, a deacon of justice under God. So if we can have false ministers in the church who should be deposed and resisted, why is it that so many Christians around the world think that no matter who is in political office, you've got to obey them as though they were God himself? Is this idolatry or what? Now, I'm a missionary to the persecuted church. I've smuggled hundreds of thousands of Bibles. 
over 38 years into many countries. I've worked in 38 countries. I've broken so many laws, I could not even begin to list them if I was given this whole weekend to list how many times I've broken unjust laws of wicked, wretched Marxist governments to smuggle Bibles and help persecute churches. It, was that wrong? Well, in fact, it was that very question that led me to the Reformed faith. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 In the teachings of our Lord, it's clear that civil authorities are to be public servants. Matthew 20. Public servants. In fact, in Luke 22, a parallel passage, our Lord Jesus used these words. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority of them are called benefactors. But not so amongst you. On the contrary, he who is greatest amongst you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. Now, anyone recognize who this monument is to? King Alfred the Great. He is a servant king. He is the scholar king. He's the only king of England called Great. He is the one who first beat the Vikings and instead of killing the ones he'd beaten, he had them discipled, take them through catechism and baptized and embraced them as Christians and started the discipleship of the violent Viking invaders. Now, it's for the reason that Jesus said that public officials are to be servants, that officials in civil government are called ministers or servants or deacons of God. I remember receiving letters from cabinet ministers in old South Africa signed, Your Humble Servant. Does anyone here remember getting a letter signed, Your Humble Servant, from a cabinet minister? They actually used to talk like that. There was a time that our cabinet ministers, writing to a simple voter, wrote, Your Humble Servant. That is an indication of a bygone biblical era, which most people today would have no idea about. because. Aren't we the servants of the cabinet ministers? Well, why are they called ministers? The concept that civil government is to be the servant of its citizens is uniquely a Christian idea that originates from these verses, hence the term prime minister, which means first servant. I like the term prime minister much more than I like the term president, because prime minister's got a biblical origin. Take chancellor, which is used in Germany and Austria. The chancellor comes from the term of the chancel. The chancel's in the church. And so the one who ministered in the chancellery was a minister in the church. And so the chancellor of the state was as though he ministered in the church in a position of worship, but now he's a minister in the state, and his act of worship is to advance justice. It still has the concept of the servant. Now, I don't know if all the chancellors out there understand what that's what it means. The chancellor of the university, that's the same concept. He's meant to be a minister of God, and his work in education is meant to be worship and praise to God. In the landmark book Lex Rex, or The Law and the Prince, written by Samuel Rutherford during the English Civil War in 1644, the Reformation principle expounded that to be valid, all laws need to be rooted and grounded in God's law. For centuries, the prevailing philosophy had been rex lex, such as in the words of Louis XIV, the son king of France. The king is the law, I am the law, my word is law. That Latin phrase, rex for king, lex for law. The reformers reversed this Latin phrase to lex rex, the law is king. 
God's law is king. The king is under the law. All civil authority is delegated by God and is limited and is answerable to God. Obedience to tyrants and unjust laws is rebellion against God. Similarly, the Huguenot book, Vindicie Contra Tyrannos, or In Defense of Liberty Against Tyrants, makes the point that as citizens owe allegiance to the king, the king owes allegiance to the king of kings, and to be in allegiance to the king who is in rebellion to the king of kings is rebellion against God. We have a high allegiance. We cannot be in submission and allegiance for the king who is rebellion to Almighty God. This is standard Reformation teaching. Lecturers. Scottish reformer John Knox put it clearly. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. And he said this in the context of the wicked Mary, Queen of Scots, who murdered her first husband, who was involved in all kinds of diabolical activities who persecuted the church. Mary, Queen of Scots said, I am more afraid of the prayers of John Knox than of an army of 10,000. Why? Because John Knox, you can be sure, was not out there praying the prayer of Jabez and saying, Lord, bless Queen Mary. No, he was praying imprecatory psalms. He was praying the psalms of justice against this wicked, rebellious, evil, idolatrous woman who was oppressing the saints of God in Scotland. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. Now maybe some Americans have heard that sound, that term, and they think, oh, yes, that's something that our founding father said. Well, they were quoting from John Knox from a few centuries before. Francis Schaeffer, in the Christian Manifesto, wrote, it is time we consciously realize that when any office commands what is contrary to God's law, it abrogates its authority. Now, understand what he means. And I've read the book and I've heard his message. He's not saying that the government abrogates God's law. He's saying any government that countermands God's law abrogates its own authority. It's like you're sitting on the outside of a tree branch and you've sawn off the branch. You're on the outside. You have just destroyed your own credibility. You've destroyed your own foundation. No government has authority in and of itself. The authority derives from God. If they cut themselves off from God's law and God's authority, they have abrogated their own authority, they are now lawless. They're outside the law. Governments do not determine the law. God determines the law that creates an eternal judge. It is for governments to recognize God's law and to apply it justly and fairly in accordance with the word of God. Hence, when Pharaoh of Egypt ordered the midwives to kill newborn Hebrew boys, the midwives feared God. And they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Now, if you believed a whole lot of Christian leaders, what those midwives did was wicked. They disobeyed the government. But if you go to Hebrews 11, you see that they're in the hall of faith and they praised for having disobeyed Pharaoh and saved the lives of the innocent. This act of disobedience, brother, to the wicked command of Pharaoh is commended in the hall of faith. By faith we read Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's command. When authorities attempt to limit the Great Commission, what should our response be? We read in Acts 4 verse 18 that 
the Sanhedrin commanded the apostles not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now this is the Sanhedrin, the highest authority in the land of Judah. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. Despite further threats, the disciples of Jesus prayed for the boldness to disobey the Sanhedrin. Now look, Lord, on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They prayed for the courage to disobey the authority and God gave them the courage and they disobeyed that authority and God blessed them. When the apostle Peter was arrested and brought again before the Sanhedrin, the high priest continued, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? But look, you've filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and you intend to bring this man's blood on us? But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. When the two are in conflict, we choose God. Government is not God. They're not our Lord and Savior. They are not all-knowing, nor are governments all-wise. Governments are not infallible. Only God our Creator and our eternal judges, all-knowing, all-wise, everywhere present, and infallible. God's law is real law. All man-made laws must be grounded in God's law and must flow from the principles of the law of God. Any law not consistent with God's law is no law at all. It is invalid. Do you know that the Southern Constitution of 1996 claims to be the highest authority and law in this land? And any law or authority not in submission to the Constitution of 1996 is invalid. Did you know that? According to this government's arrogance, the same government that abolished prayer in Parliament, Cape Town has had a parliament which for 126 years met in prayer in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ until 1994 when Nelson Mandela abolished that moment of prayer, wouldn't even allow a minute of silence as was requested by Kenneth Bishop. They would not even recognise a high source of authority above themselves with a moment of silence. They abolished prayer. Now they claim that their perverted constitution with all of its grammatical errors and inconsistencies, is a highest source of authority in the Bible, and it abrogates the Bible's authority. And the Bible is invalid because it's, it's not uh, in accordance with the Constitution. So where the Bible is pro-life and is against abortion, and our Constitution is for abortion, and privileges for perverts and all these other sort of things, we are meant to prefer the Southern Constitution of the Bible. On the Day of Judgment, how will we be judged? In accordance with God's law, or the United Nations law, or the Southern Constitution, or the American Constitution? I mean, what law is God going to use on the Day of Judgment? Could a person stand up and say, but what we did was right in accordance with the Southern Constitution of 1996? Do you think the Creator, Eternal Judge, can say, oh, well, that's all right then? Seriously? Does anyone actually delude themselves to think? that these temporary constitutions have any validity? Do you know how many constitutions Africa's had since 1960, which are already discarded? 
Can anyone take a guess? Since 1960, how many constitutions has Africa gone through which are no longer being used? A number? 500. Africa has gone through 500 constitutions in the last 60 years. That's how long I've been alive, since 1960. In 60 years, they've gone through 500 constitutions that are no longer applicable. Anyone know how long the French Revolution's constitution, the first Bill of Rights, lasted? Not even a year. Not even a year. And they make a big thing about that. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in it. Isaiah 8 verse 20, you can write that over all of them. If they do not speak according to God's word, there is no light in them. That's true for ministers in the church and it's true for ministers in the government. You have no authority if your authority is not from God and consistent with his law. Truth does not fear investigation. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Why should we give a higher authority and infallibility to any politician and his papers than we do to the Word of God? In 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32, we read of all kinds of soldiers, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, all kinds of weapons. And then you read about of the sons of Issachar who had understand the times to know what Israel should do 200. Why mention that? They don't even have any weapons that we read of. Well, these men of Issachar were the intelligence corps, you could say. They were the people who had the information and they helped the strategy. You see, the hundreds of thousands of armed soldiers needed the few hundred to help guide them because all that military might is worthless if you're not working in accordance with strategy, understanding how the enemy operates and working in accordance with good strategy. So, Sometimes intelligence cause can win or lose a war. And I'm afraid many Christians today do not understand the times and do not know what God's people should do. The COVID-19 lockdown of 2020, they have been unjustified by scientific research. There are vast amounts of scientific authorities, bacteriologists, virologists, frontline doctors, people who've spent lifetimes on this, who say this is lunacy, this is not justified. The COVID-19 has not proven to be anything near as deadly as the bubonic plague. You know how bad the bubonic plague was? One third of Europe died. One third of Europe. Out of a world population of 450 million, they plummeted down to 350 million. About 100 million people died worldwide from the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages. The Spanish flu killed a lot of people too. So here you see, starting with the year 1000, 1100, 1200, 1300, 1347, the population of Europe is over 70 million. The Black Death, they lost so many, it took another two centuries to recover the population that they'd had in 1347 because of the bubonic plate. The bubonic plate was catastrophic. It created social upheaval. Whole towns and villages were left unoccupied, fields untended. And when this lockdown began, where they're not trying to conjure up feelings of the bubonic plague, hundreds of millions of people are going to die. Remember they were saying that in March? Millions are going to die just in South Africa. And they were telling us about the pandemic straight after the First World War. More people died of the Spanish flu than died during the First World War. 
from 50 to 100 million people died in the Spanish flu. This was a very, very serious pandemic. There is no proven medical justification for locking down over 3 billion people and committing what amounted to economic suicide. I used to use the word economic suicide, but that term suggests a voluntary act. I mean, suicide, bad as it is, is still voluntary. But economic murder would be more accurate. Economic massacre would be even more accurate. The jobs of tens of millions of people worldwide have been undermined, and in many cases destroyed. Some people's lives have been destroyed, and many people have taken their own lives as a result of their desperation. Others have died of starvation. Others have died waiting for medical treatment that they couldn't get because of the lockdown. Big tech, big pharma, big government have united to crush family businesses and the small entrepreneurs. What they should have done during this lockdown is lock down macro, shop right, pick and pay and so on and let the small family businesses operate. But no, they shut down the small businesses and they let the big ones, because the big tech and big pharma and big government, they're all in bed with one another, figuratively and literally. The COVID-19 lockdowns have proven to be a cover for colossal corruption and for communist centralization and control. Joseph Stalin, in his wildest days of his dictatorship, never managed to close as many churches as this lockdown has managed this year. Virtually worldwide, at Easter, every church was closed. This is a communist dream. Galatians 5, 13 to 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, honestly, does anybody here seriously believe that the government cares about you? They care about your health and your life. Why do you think they're doing this? Because they care about you and they want to save your life? Do you know the French Revolution was governed by committee? That's what revolutions are. The so-called Committee for Public Safety under the chairmanship of Maximilian Robespierre, chose who to guillotine. Don't you love the innocuous title? Committee for Public Safety. Over 40,000 Frenchmen lost their heads to the guillotine by order of the Committee for Public Safety. A further 300,000 Frenchmen were killed by firing squads, and millions more died in the ruinous 25 years of French revolutionary wars that flowed from the French Revolution. The word Soviet means committee, as in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It's the Union of Committee Socialist Republics. A socialist Soviet is a committee-ruled government. So when the South African ANC government chose to sideline Parliament and replace it with a committee of six, same number of the Committee of Public Safety under Robespierre, the during the French Revolution, their committee of six assured us they consult their ancestors. I'm sure that made everyone feel so much better. <laughs> Personally, I thought it was an ominous sign. Top six looked to ancestors for guidance. Have you forgotten that this president and all the presidents, including Mandela since 94, have all been senior members of the Southern Communist Party? Do not think that they're doing this because of science, medicine, health, altruistic motives or concern for your health. They're doing this because this is communism. Centralization of control, crackdown on freedom, 
kill the small business, kill the small farmer, cause rampant starvation, make more people dependent on handouts from the government where they can control you. The last thing communists want is self-controlled, self-disciplined people. The last thing they want is people like the floor trekkers who didn't need government for anything. They were totally self-sufficient. They just wanted government to leave them alone. They don't want those kind of people. They want sheep. Sheep all. Not only has Parliament been sidelined, but the Bill of Rights has been effectively suspended by martial law type lockdowns and curfews. Do you know this lockdown is unconstitutional? I was saying so from the first week, but even the High Court has agreed since then. No law is valid if it violates the Bill of Rights. I mean, this is something that I understood because I was in and out of Parliament in 96 as under the chairmanship of Sil Ramposa, they were, bringing up, they were trying to draft this new constitution, came in 96, so I was in and out there regularly arguing with the different committees. And the Bill of Rights was specifically brought in as Bills of Rights or anywhere else in the world that no law is valid if it violates any one of the Bill of Rights. Remember that? Yet the extraordinary COVID-19 state of emergency, state of disaster, lockdown has violated essential freedoms. By the way, you know that according to our constitution, no state of emergency can be called for longer than three weeks. And only a full sitting of parliament can extend it for another three weeks under extraordinary circumstances. This, this is completely unconstitutional. Parliament has not decided this. A committee of six has decided these things and extended. And they might call it, I've had some people say, ah, but this is a state of disaster. It doesn't matter. The Constitution speaks about the state of emergency. This is a state of emergency. Whether you're calling it a state of disaster, which the Constitution does not provide for, it still is governed by the same Bill of Rights and the same principle as a state of emergency. You have, according to the Bill of Rights, freedom of religion, freedom of belief, and freedom of worship, and yet they effectively closed down virtually every church in the country over Easter this year. And I am told that most churches in South Africa have still not reconstituted normal services. The majority. I flew in a plane here today where it was surreal because in the airport terminal you had to keep all your distances and even queuing to get in a plane you had to keep these two meter distances and the seats in the terminal they've got blocked off all these to make and then they shove you into a plane shoehorn you together we all got to sit together like this and then when we got to Joburg International Airport instead of letting people fan out through the many entrances they locked almost every entrance and they forced you through a few very few in fact there was only one exit that I found that I could get out on. I was trying to get out on the top level and I could see the road where I was to be picked up by my host. Ten meters away. Wouldn't be allowed. No, you can't go out there. It's only for entry. You cannot exit that way. I can see my... No, you can't. So, there's no way to get to that road. Try it below, but the ground road has been blocked to all traffic, except taxis and Ubers. So that doesn't help. Well, it turned out after going backwards and forwards for about an hour, it worked out the only way that anybody can pick up a normal person is you have to meet on level two of the parking garage. And so they've shoehorned tens of thousands of people into the most compact place. It was like a Nigerian taxi rank. And this is what they call social distancing. Now, which imbecile thought this up? 
It's got nothing to do with science. It's got nothing to do with medicine. It's got nothing to do with the health. This is just about power. What about freedom of opinion? Has that been violated? If you put out any view other than the... You, you find regularly Facebook thought police censors, mm, can't censor that, and can't share this. And, but this is from doctors. and uh, There were a whole lot of top-class virologists and... Um, doctors for Truth and others in Europe, they put out their findings and immediately it's deplatformed from YouTube and uh, banned from Facebook and censored by these people. The thought police are out there in full force. What happened to freedom of opinion? What about your freedom of conscience? I don't believe it's right to be playing a masquerade and be part of a lie, pretending we're in a deadly pandemic that's going to kill hundreds of millions of people and that wearing this mask is going to make all the difference? Why should I be forced to break my conscience? It's fine for the government to say to you, we advise, but do they have the right to tell you you must? Whose servants are they? And why would you need to mobilize the army and give them all four rifles to deal with the pandemic? What have happened to the freedom of thought? Are you allowed to think for yourself? Apparently not, according to this. You dare not, may not, disagree with the thought police on this one. As for freedom of expression, well, as you can see, they've got this new type of injection, uh, which is to administer vaccinations, I presume. Benjamin Franklin said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing freedom of speech. Threats to freedom of speech is a threat to everything. If you accept restrictions on free speech for any reason, it means you didn't have an education, you had an indoctrination. We have a ministry of education that doesn't educate. They're actually indoctrination gulags. Imagine if they scrubbed child porn from the internet as fast as they scrubbed a hydrochloroquine video off the internet. It's, you know, it's amazing. These people who, oh, there's nothing we could do about all this porn and so on. But boy, could they scrub anything that disagreed with their Plandemic, scamdemic hoax. What about freedom of the press? They have shut down, deplatformed, not thousands, tens of thousands of sites on the internet have been shut down, just deleted, deplatformed. Staggering. There were these frontline doctors in America who made a video, communicated their experiences and what they'd found, and 72 million people had watched it and they deplatformed it, and then they suspended the account of the son, of one of the sons of, of the president of America, uh, because he had shared this video. What have happened to freedom of speech? Wait, these are real doctors. This isn't some witch doctor. So we need to use some humour uh, in order to inject some freedom of expression in this. You know, have to catch a mouse with a mask. Chasing birds not allowed on level four. It's all part of a larger agenda. I think you're being paranoid, <laughs> says the person wearing the hazmat suit. So here's a quote. People with sociopathic traits are less likely to follow coronavirus studies, uh, guidance, studies fine. So on the left, you have this person who's perfectly normal, and on the right, you've got a sociopath, <laughs> because they're not wearing a mask. Well, OK, American population. 
329 million. COVID cases, 3 million. Deaths, 132 million. If 132,000, if you believe them. Although we discovered it's not death by COVID, it's death with COVID. You might have died of heart disease. You might have died of pre-existing conditions. You could have fallen from a building, for goodness sakes. But if you had COVID on it, um, even a car crash, you died of COVID. So those stats are even fake, but still. But less than 1% of the population have contract the virus. 95% survive. And in fact, when they look at how many have died, it's not even 0.04%. So why are all these masks and restrictions needed? Are they politically motivated or medically motivated? So let's get this right. All the projections were wrong. Hundreds of millions of people are going to die in the next month. All assumptions are wrong, but we still can't go outside with the people who are wrong said so. Is that about right? <laughs> Do you remember what they were telling you in March? So, I remember, 1960s, oil reserves will be depleted in 10 years. 1970s, we can have an ice age in 10 years. I remember them telling us at school in the 1970s, there'll be ice in the equator. There'll be ice skating in the equator. 1980s, acid rain is going to kill all the crops in 10 years. 1990s, the ozone layer is going to be destroyed in 10 years and we're all going to die of skin cancer because the ozone layer is gone. Before the end of the year 1999. And remember in 2000s, what was it? The ice caps will go on in 10 years. By the year 2013, there will not be any ice left at the North or South Pole. Do you remember that prediction? Al Gore himself was saying that. None of these catastrophes happened, but everyone resulted more taxes, more regulations, and less freedom. This is no different, except it's worse. You will believe in global warming, or we will burn you at the stake of public opinion. Don't you realize it's for your own safety? Don't you know COVID-19 could kill you? Now, these cartoons aren't actually that funny, because they actually happened. I mean, this, this actually is true to life. In fact, in the first three days of lockdown, the police and army shot more people dead than had died of COVID-19 to that day in the whole of South Africa. It's, it's not funny. Why would you mobilize soldiers and give them assault rifles to deal with the virus? Who on earth thought of this? And while the media has been focusing on the little wave of COVID, there's this colossal tsunami of poverty that's going to come. And even the World Health Organization is now saying more people are dying of starvation and poverty and interrupted food chains than of the actual disease. So, okay, uh, liquor stores couldn't be opened, abortion clinics can be opened, but churches must be closed. Understand? Churches are non-essential. Who gets to decide what's non-essential? I would say the government's non-essential. We don't need them. We could do just fine. The full trick is to find without any cursed, blasted, damned government in Pretoria, what on earth have they ever done to improve our lives? They are non-essential. Why don't they shut down and stop taxes for a change and let the rest of us get on with our lives? We can all organize our communities better than they can. Freedom of assembly is guaranteed in our Bill of Rights. Have you noticed freedom of assembly being undermined? What about freedom to demonstrate? Do you know what they've done on that? Freedom of movement. Our Bill of Rights guarantees freedom of movement. Any government hampering freedom of movement is immediately in breach of the Bill of Rights. And propaganda. Oh my. Just coming on a plane today, 
all the time in the airport. It's, it's like watching some dystopian, futuristic uh, science fiction movie. We keep you safe, you keep us safe, we keep one another safe together. And you hear this over and over about 20 times. It's just all this time propaganda, they wear your mask at all times and they maintain social distancing while we shoehorn you into the plane where you're all going to be crammed like sardines for a few hours. Um, you know, this, this sort of, but the propaganda, it's an insult to our intelligence. This is the N7 in Cape Town, freedom of movement. Imagine if the government had put 10% of this effort and concentration on fighting farm murders. Imagine. But no, they shut down, all the planes cancelled, and airports closed, and places like Australia and New Zealand closed. Uh, by the way, friends of mine in Australia and New Zealand said they are so sorry they left South Africa. They are in, they're in such lockdown. Uh, I asked some people who moved to America, I said, oh, so you went to America to get away from race riots. How are you enjoying that? <laughs> Let me tell you the best thing about living in South Africa. Our government's inefficient and incompetent. You do not want to live in Europe. I had a, a German professor speaking at our Reformation Society just last week saying, you can just praise God you're not in Germany or anywhere in Europe. He said, those countries are efficient. They crush any opposition to this COVID-19 cult. And so, you know, there's a lot of things we don't like about a government, there's a lot of problems here, but you know, I'd rather have an inefficient, corrupt government than an efficient, corrupt government. <laughs> so if you want uh, lockdown, remember cramming taxis is just fine. Walking your dog's not acceptable. Riding a bicycle, not acceptable. Running, not acceptable. <laughs> My son got arrested for running on an empty field. And something like four police vehicles arrived. Now, you know, imagine if they put this kind of attention on a real criminal. And so this, again, isn't a very funny cartoon. Uh, the overloaded taxi. Phew, I thought the police were after us. No, somebody was walking their dog. <laughs> that happened. And so our 2020 passport stamps. Bedroom departed. Arrived in the living room. Facebook arrived. Zoom meeting. Kitchen. Bathroom. And yes. These, the eggs in this box have been laid by hens who've been allowed to roam freely. Never thought we'd be jealous of a chicken. So you're staying inside and practicing social distancing while you clean yourself. Congratulations, you've just become like a house cat. Okay, so if you go for the horoscopes, you'll be spending time in your home. Uh, yeah. All 12. So this came out after two weeks quarantined with hubby for two weeks, Gertrude is knitting something special for him. Yeah. Yes, well, um, I, I can imagine. What about freedom of trade? What you've got is under the lockdown, they have been suffocating and killing the South African economy. It's hard enough for people on the street to eke out an existence and then the police and the army harass them. This is not right. What about your freedom for your, this? I'm still quoting from the South African Bill of Rights. Freedom for occupation, trade, and profession. Have you experienced that? No restrictions on your occupation, trade, and profession? This is heartbreaking. Do you know how many millions of tons of food have to be thrown away? Perfectly good food because of the lockdown. Because conferences were closed, theme parks were closed, hospitals, uh, I mean, hotels were closed. 
and they were throwing away perfectly good food because of the lockdown and couldn't even transport it to where it was needed. This is disgusting. This is criminal. But if you can run a business on level three lockdown with stage two load shedding in double recession with no BBBEE certificate, you can make it anywhere in the world. <laughs> I think South Africans are some of the most resilient people in the world. So the lockdown was clearly unconstitutional. No politicians have the right to declare any people's livelihoods non-essential. It's not non-essential to that family. But here we've taken one of the Soviet Union's posters, report non-essential activity to your local political commissar. I mean, this is the mentality. And I didn't know we had so many Stasi, KGB informants out there. The amount of people. My son can be running down the road or cycling. My son runs 130 kilometers a week. I mean, he's a, he's a phys ed coach and so on. And the people screaming and shouting and swearing out the windows and from their porch or out the car window, where's your mask? You shouldn't be outside. It's disgusting. I never knew we had so many disgusting neighbors. They're all, in fact, we had, at one of our Reformation Society meetings, people were discussing that the vast majority of us had never been accosted by a policeman or a soldier or any government official to adhere to these rules. But it's our own neighbors. So many people have bought the lie and have allowed themselves to be indoctrinated by this George Orwell 1984 New Think Thought Police. The lockdown has also seriously curtailed, and I'm quoting again from a Bill of Rights, our freedom for cultural, religious, and linguistic communities to gather and practice their religion in free association with others. Did you know that's in our Bill of Rights? You can check it out. It's even online. It's our constitution. And they just run roughshod over it all. Like, who cares about the Bill of Rights or freedom anymore? Now, sword fighting is one of my sports. For six years, I've been every week uh, practicing sword fighting. And you would think when you're wearing a mask and you've got a sword at distance, that would be good enough. No, they shut down the sword fighting. It's pretty good social distancing when if someone comes within two meters of you, you whack them with a sword. But so. We were wondering if jousting might possibly maintain. But no, not even that was allowed. You couldn't even do jousting, for goodness sakes. The lockdown also violated the principles of the rule of law by presumption of guilt. You were guilty. De facto, if you were out, if you were running, if you're not wearing a mask, you're guilty. Doesn't matter circumstance, no day in court, no presumption of innocence, no, you're presumed guilty. Our constitution forbids that. If masks work, why were lockdowns necessary? If lockdowns work, why are masks necessary? And why on earth does anybody wear a mask on their own, in their home or in their car? I've seen Karens driving around on their own, wearing a mask in their car, and there's no one else there. Why are they doing that? Why do people walk alone outside need to wear a mask? Why does a person running in the forest on his own need to wear a mask? And have you seen the pictures of all the equipment that's never been used? And the beds waiting for the millions of patients that never came? And in Cape Town, we took the Cape Town International Conference Center and prepared it. And President Trump ordered the US naval hospital ship, uh, USS Comfort, which has 1,600 beds to New York Harbor. They were in New York for about six weeks. Do you know how many patients they saw? less than 250. 
and they could accommodate 1,600 ton. And then it left because there was no overcapacity crisis. I've got a friend who works in mortuaries in London. He says, the number of deaths has not been any different this year compared to last year on any category. So it's a fraud. This is Cape Town. This is the premier of the Western Cape, Wendy, waiting for the patients. <laughs> Still waiting. Still waiting. This is Cape Town International Conference Center. They're coming. Don't worry, there's another wave of COVID coming. Is there any medical science justifying such extraordinary, unprecedented requirements? Spanish flu, at least 50 million dead. Out of world population, 950 million. That's 5.26 of the world's population died. Totally tragic. Seasonal flu, last in 2018, 650,000 dead. 0.009% of the world's population died. Typical year. COVID-19, and you look at the deaths and you look at the world's population, it's still under 0.0 something percent. Of, but the world's coming to an end, shut the businesses, close the churches, ruin the world's economy. Does this make any sense? And this is just taking sense for disease control statistics. To put this into perspective, the World Health Organization, which I call the Wuhan Health Organization now, under the Global Observatory uh, or GHO Road Safety reports every year 1,315,000 die from road accidents. Tragic, but true. On the same site, they report that every year 10 million people fall ill with tuberculosis and 1.5 million people die every year from TB. According to World Health Organization, there were 228 million cases of malaria last year with 405,000 deaths from malaria. I don't believe that statistic because I know that something in a region of 2 million people die of malaria in Africa every year. I don't think those statistics are right. Uh, but anyway, that's according to World Health Organization. Alcohol consumption contributes to 3 million deaths each year globally and a lot of disabilities and poor health of millions more. By the way, do you know that most road accidents in South Africa are alcohol-related? And do you know what's coming up as the second largest uh, cause? Texting on the phone while driving. But drunken driving accounts for most of our road accidents. Every year, more than 8 million people die from tobacco. Second-hand tobacco smoke contributes to heart disease, cancer, other diseases, causing another 1.2 million deaths every year. Obesity kills 4 million people every year. World Health Organization claims that there are 376 million new infections with STDs every year. And 9.6 million people die of cancer every year. Now, these are real statistics. My wife's been battling cancer for 10 years, and she's in hospital right now, just admitted this morning, early at 6 a.m., before I flew here, uh, for hip replacement because her hip's riddled with cancer. And uh, there's a lot, she loses friends to cancer every year from a dragon boating uh, team and others. And, uh, but does cancer get 1% the budget that goes to AIDS? or a quarter of a percent of what goes to uh, COVID-19? No, who cares about cancer? So we should try and keep a balanced perspective and avoid being stampeded into panic by sensational reports in the media or by questionable claims 
and responses by politicians and bureaucrats who use medical crises to infringe on personal freedom of movement and initiate intrusive procedures which impact economies and societies dramatically. I mean, just think in Cape Town, the vast amount of people whose businesses depend on tourism, which has been killed stone dead this year. The tourism industry and the film industry, which is colossal in Cape Town, brings in vast, there's so many industries dependent on it. You kill tourism, you kill Cape Town. It's insane. It's likely that far more people and businesses will be ruined economically by the response to the coronavirus than will actually be affected by the virus directly. The cure is worse than the disease. Now, it's always wise to be prudent and to take reasonable precautions and measures to protect the lives of ourselves and our loved ones. And particularly those who serve in healthcare should balance prudence with compassion as they serve those who need their care. I mean, that's fair enough. I understand that. Our Lord Jesus Christ and his followers always have given special attention to the sick who is socially stigmatized and isolated like lepers. And the Bible includes a lot of hygiene laws and practices, which I wish we always applied them because I must say the one thing I like about this is the renewed emphasis on hygiene. I like good hygiene. I think that's one positive. Some people have actually, well, now we've actually had municipalities cleaning things in the public, which is, wow, that's a nice change. But we should refuse to be stampeded into panic by sensational speculations and professional fear mongers. We need to be wise and prudent. And do you know that they just quietly, the Centre for Disease Control, um, in August this year, 22nd of August this year, they admitted that only 6% of the deaths they reported of COVID actually died of COVID. 6%. The rest died with COVID, but they all had comorbidity, uh, pre-existing conditions, you know, like heart disease and so on. Have you noticed how COVID has wiped out heart disease? Nobody's died of old age or seasonal flu this year. In fact, uh, it just, but it's a financial incentive. The more COVID deaths you can rack up in your hospital, the more age you get. The more COVID deaths in your country, the more age you get from the World Health Organization and so on. It's a racket. And there's more stats on, you know, why the compulsory face masks, why are they making a big thing of the face masks? Well, let's look at this a bit further. By the way, do you know that even in the older categories, the chances of you uh, surviving COVID is still in a very high 90% and so on. Every day in South Africa, we have hundreds more people dying of AIDS, heart disease, cancer, TB, malaria, murder, car accidents, strokes and drowning than of COVID-19. Let's put things into perspective. If masks work, why do we socially distance? If social distancing works, why do we need masks? If masks and social distancing works, why are so many businesses closed? And if you can stand in line at a grocery store and at the municipality, why can't you stand in line for other things, well, like in America, for voting, and so they had to send out tens of millions of ballots by post. Of all the tyrannies, the tyranny sincerely exiles for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Just think of these people who claim to be freedom fighters, and they're for the poor, like Robert Mugabe. See how he liberated the people of Zimbabwe and lifted up the poor? Well, actually, not really, exact opposite. We're facing a COVID cult, 
with dogmatic demands to accept and comply, to submit and not question. Anyone questioning the masquerade is subject to shunning and an inquisition-like persecution. This is a cult. It's a religion. And look at the idolatry. They are building statues to medical workers with a mask on that you meant to idolize and worship. I don't know if anyone's actually seen this in real life, but this, these were the images they were showing us in March to give us the f idea that we're heading into a pandemic that's going to kill hundreds of millions of people. Remember these pictures from China? <laughs> Seriously. And who came up with this pointing a laser-type thermometer gun at a person's forehead? Why the forehead? Why not the wrist? I refuse to let them point at my forehead. Who gave them the right to do that? Is this not conditioning people to point a gun-like instrument and just submit? This is wrong. This is, this is abuse. This is child abuse. This is disgusting. No free people should allow themselves to have some government official scrape the back of your brains out. Walking's permitted, cycling's not. How on earth is cycling any different? How could cycling on a forest trail be a threat? And this sort of nonsense. They don't do that in the plains, though, because the plains want to make a lot of money and they want to cram you in. So this is a charade. It's a complete charade. And when you look at these pictures, I don't know what you're thinking, but I don't believe this. Do you remember these pictures of people just dropping their dead all over Wuhan? This was what they were showing us in order to stampede us into lockdown in March this year. Had, has anyone seen this anywhere in the world outside of the staged, I think this is acted out for the camera in Wuhan. I think it's complete and utter fraud. We've been had. We've been lied to. Real pandemics do not need faulty virus models, rigged test results, inaccurate reporting and manipulated death statistics, and they certainly don't need censorship of thought police who question the narrative. The government sells fear so that they can become your saviour. We do not have a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a pound of love and of a sound mind. So, you know the Hegelian dialectic? Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So, the problem, COVID-19. The reaction, fear! The solution, tyranny. Government's going to take away all your freedoms and you just trust us. Trust in the government. Believe in the government. The government will save you. Okay. If you injected an apple with all these sort of horrible kind of things, including aborted baby fetal tissues, would you eat it? Or why would you inject this into a baby in a vaccination? Do you know what's in the flu shot? What do you think is going to be in this vaccine that they're going to try and make mandatory if you want to travel and so on? It's, and here's my real, real big concern. I'm not saying all vaccines are to be written off completely. But there's an excess of vaccines, and right now, here's something you should really be concerned about. Do you know that the vaccine makers like Bill Gates have gotten governments to pass laws indemnifying their companies against any um, lawsuits if people suffer paralysis, death, or any other kind of disorders as a result of the vaccine? If they believe in their product, why do they need to be indemnified against prosecution? And how can you make mandatory something that you've got no recourse over? 
The only way this could get stampeded to any kind of legal situation is with this absolute paranoia of fear. They've orchestrated the fear to such an extent that people are willing to be muzzled and chained and locked down and so on. And then the only way you can move around is we're going to inject you with this questionable substance that hasn't been tested. So here's a doctor in New Zealand. She says, I will not be getting the coronavirus vaccine in the future. Overall, my main issue against vaccinations that I do not believe they should ever be compulsory. I'm far more likely to die of poisoning or car accident than from COVID-19. Now, that's the same doctor in New Zealand, but New Zealand's trying to force mandatory vaccinations on everyone. And it's communist. It's unacceptable. Why would I want something injected into me? Now, you should ask some serious questions on the vaccination. Um, here's a funny post. Don't shoot, I'm retarded, prove it. I believe I need an injection of the virus so I don't get the virus. And if you don't get one too, my vaccination won't work. <laughs> Have you noticed? Masks work. But if you don't wear your mask, my mask won't work. Yeah. Vaccinations work. But if you don't get a vaccination, my vaccination won't work. Your kids got to get a vaccination so that our kids who've got vaccinations can play with them because otherwise their vaccination won't work. If it works, what's the problem? Now, I'm sorry, but I was brought up in Rhodesia. We were brought up with bilharzia, malaria, tick bite fever. <laughs> this is just normal. As a missionary, hepatitis, blackwater fever. Man, this is normal. We get these things, and it doesn't stop us going in the field. And I've got all these people running scared and hiding at home and closing their churches because of a virus that's got a 99,9% survival rate. When I was born, there were three vaccinations you have to get. Now you can't even count the number of stupid vaccinations. I've got to question this. But there's a lot of money in vaccinations. Now imagine, okay, imagine that you are the government cabinet minister's cousin who gets the contract for the masks or the sanitizers that everyone's got to have. Instant billionaire. If you are the person like Bill Gates who gets the, the um, what do you call it when you get the, you've got the patent, you've got the patent for the vaccination. Everyone on earth has got to get this vaccination. Do you know how many billions of dollars that's going to be worth? You can be sure they're not going to give it to you for free. You get a COVID test, how much does it cost? You've got to get this temperature gun to aim at people's foreheads or something like that. Uh, if, if you want to have a church service or you want to have people come to your business or something, how much does it cost? How much does it cost to make? How much profit is there? Who gets the contract? Who gets the monopoly? I mean, can you see the racket? This is the best. I don't like graffiti, but I, I like this one. COVID-1984. Because that's what it is. Write 84 at the end of it. Because this was a separate book when I was at school. 1984. Many are wondering why we're calling it COVID-1984. Because in 1948, George Orwell wrote a political satire, prophetic political satire called 1984, which seems ominously relevant today where mini-truth, or the Ministry of Truth, deals in lies. And mini-plenty, uh, or the Ministry of Plenty, deals with starvation and rationing. And the Ministry of Love, or mini-love, they deal with torture. And the Ministry of Peace, or mini-peace, they deal with war. And the war is not meant to be won, it's just meant to be continuous. It's to keep everyone in subjection, distract everyone from the failure of government. And the media communicate in newspeak, and double-think. 
And anyone questioning the official party line are guilty of a thought crime and thought enforced by thought police. Looks like you've had a little bit too much to think. Closed minds stop thought crimes. Don't question or speak out. And those questioning the politically correct narrative can become unpersons, vaporised and disappear down the memory hole. I remind you, this was written by George Orwell in 1948 in a book called 1984. And now it's become, now people get unfriended, deplatformed, vaporised, disappear down the memory hole. So it's, is this not uncanny? When I read this, I thought, this is incredible. I never thought I'd see it happen in my lifetime. We know that no one ever seizes power Without, with the intention of relinquishing that power. And that's the problem. You've given the government the taste of freedom, or how willingly you're willing to give up your freedoms, and how easily they can overreach themselves. Do you think they're going to stop? No, they're going to invent a new wave. If there is a new wave, uh, they'll make it. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that this first coronavirus was manufactured in the biological warfare laboratory in Wuhan, which happens to have the biggest biological warfare laboratory on the planet. But there's a whole video you can watch on that called Tracking Down the Origin of the Wuhan Virus. Governments love pandemics for the same reason why they love war. It gives them the ability to impose controls on the population that the population would never otherwise accept, creating institutions and mechanisms for obedience and orchestrating and imposing obedience. That's from Robert Kennedy. That would be the um, nephew of the John F. Kennedy who was murdered. The hypocrisy, the double standards, the inconsistency of those advocating social distancing could be seen the bizarre leftist justification of the BLM, Antifa, EFF riots. The same people who condemned anti-lockdown protests as threats to spread the virus said, as public health advocates, we do not condemn the gatherings of BLM, Black Lives Matter, and Antifa as risky for COVID transfer. This should not be confused as a permissive stance on all gatherings, particularly protests against stay-at-home orders. So peaceful people who don't like the lockdown, you can't protest. But if you want to loot and burn down shops, that's fine. So BLM, uh, how do you like this Unitarian Universalist community church that put Black Lives Matter, it didn't stop them getting burned down. And this is the police station in Minneapolis. Uh, police station burnt down. By the way, this was called a mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> CNN called it a mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> I suppose it's like Zimbabwe had a basically free and fair election. That kind of thing. And so looting, burning, destroying, that's fine. That, that's not a problem. You can allow that. Uh, but bear in mind, only 10 looters at a time in the store and wear your mask and stay six feet apart. And this is the wreckage caused. So, a man saying, let me open my business is a dangerous lunatic, but a person looting the shop, he's a righteous protester. So we learned during lockdown that you can be arrested for opening a business, but not for looting one. The lunatics are running the insane asylum. It is war. This is revolution. So, Government locked the bathrooms so you don't spread germs, then put portable bathrooms in front of locked bathrooms, but there's no hand basins to wash your hands now. This is how governments solve problems. They released criminals, dangerous criminals, from prisons because uh, they were afraid of getting the coronavirus in prison. While they were locking up people who surfed or walked the dog or played with their daughter in the park, 
um, or we're running around the empty field in the jail depth. So this makes sense. This isn't even a joke. This actually happened. It's pretty bad when you've got to make cartoons of things like this and it's true. Ignoring real crime and real threats, governments have poured unprecedented amounts of resource and energy into enforcing mindless requirements for even children at school to wear masks all the time and locking down even churches over Easter. There is no indication that COVID-19 represents any serious threat to children at all. It's insignificant. And yet, they continue with this child abuse of forcing children to wear masks and social distance at schools. Wicked. To this day, many congregations, most, are not able to gather as government regulations have prevented any church from meeting in a school or a scout or guide hall. So rights of assembly has been suspended. All over, churches closed due to the coronavirus. That's not true. That's a lie. It's not closed due to the coronavirus. It's closed because of the lockdown. We should not lie by saying the coronavirus has caused all this damage. Coronavirus hasn't done anything of the sort. The government lockdown has caused all this chaos. What's destroyed your business and your lives is not coronavirus, it's the ANC lockdown. And let's call it by what it is. When restaurant and hospitality industry workers in Cape Town peacefully protested, they were met with unprecedented violence by the police who had stood by and done nothing while mobs looted, burned and ransacked. While they looted and ransacked over 1,400 trucks, pentecnics. By the way, can I just show you? Do you see the police standing there? You see the police vehicle here? And by the way, you see this truck here? This vehicle was set light at the noon on N7 outside of Cape Town. The same company, Pick and Pay, who had just donated thousands of food parcels to the same community during the lockdown, had their truck looted by them and burned out. Do you know how much money is lost when the Pentechnican is looted and burned? The cost of the vehicle, the cost of the contents. You're talking about 20, 25 million rand a time. 1,400 Pentechnicans were burned out and looted in the last year. It's disgusting. 36 Pentechnicans were looted on one weekend. This was May Day uh, of last year uh, at, on the N3 uh, outside Moy River. And in Cape Town, most of our trains, most of our locomotives and rolling carriages have been burned out. Most. Let the economy collapse, says Malema. Well, of course, that's what communists want collapse economy, make more people unemployed. They're not economic freedom fighters. If the EFF were economic freedom fighters, they're fighting against the corruption and the lockdown. That would be real economic freedom fighters. But while the police did nothing over these, on the same day, while they were looting and burning, including clinics and so on, they water cannoned hospitality industry people peacefully marching in Cape Town, stun grenades and all the rest of it. Unbelievable. And this was just last week in Cape Town. This is acceptable, according to the government. But hair and beauty salons have to be locked up. Does that make any sense? So thank you, government, for protecting me from a flu by completely destroying my livelihood, my job, my income, my marriage, my freedoms, my family, my health, my liberties.
I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. UN fingerprint on the whole thing. But be sure to wash your hands and all will be well as you're in a sandcastle and the recession tidal wave comes your way. So under Ramaphosa, 20,000 murders a year, 50,000 rapes a year, trillions stolen every year, but he makes a couple of speeches and there's a bunch of Korans, oh, what a wonderful leader. And I've heard Christians saying, at last, a president to be proud of. <laughs> South Africa is saved. Rama poses the best thing that's happened to this country. Did you? I've heard that from Christians. Sorry to say. I use the word with a small c, inverted commas. 2 Timothy 2.26 And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. This is on the box that you get these ear loop face masks, or what some of my friends in America call face diapers. <laughs> This ear loop mask will not provide any protection against COVID-19 or other viruses or contaminants. Okay. Will not provide any protection against COVID-19 or other viruses or contaminants. Wearing an ear loop mask does not reduce the risk of contracting any disease or infection. Single use only. Size of the virus. Size of the cloth mark. Feel safe now? This is what a doctor of World Health Organization said early on in the pandemic. Masks should only be worn by healthcare workers, caretakers, or by people who are sick with symptoms like fever and cough. It's no benefit for people to wear it who are not sick. Here's the UK government. See, Crown, Government UK. The evidence suggests wearing a face covering does not protect you. Well, we know that. The doctors know that. So why are we going through this masquerade charade? And they say we're selfish. All of you here are not wearing masks. You're all selfish, they say. So you can say that I'm selfish. You force others to inject themselves with dangerous substances so you feel safe. You force others to cover their source of oxygen for months and end so you feel safe. You force others to lose their jobs and retirement so you feel safe. You force others to stay at home so you feel safe. I haven't asked you to do anything. Your list is long and endless. How am I selfish? Yet the people demanding it accuse you of being selfish if you don't want to play their game. Now, one of these lines says security and free shelter, free food and free medical care, and the other has no assurances. Which would you prefer to be? And this is it. We've got a bunch of people who prefer to be locked up than free. Masks dehumanize. This is the reason why people placed in front of firing squads traditionally have been forced to wear a mask. Now, it's not because of any concern for the person they're about to shoot. It's because it makes the task of firing squad easier when the victim is dehumanized by having their face obscured. This has long been recognized that forcing Muslim women in the Middle East to wear masks is dehumanizing. And I believe the primary reason for these masks is to cover up the broken noses, battered bruises, and black eyes, honestly. I remember when I was growing up, Muslim women wore a scarf that didn't wear the face mask. But in the 80s, a whole lot of laws came out against domestic violence. And next thing you know, they've got the full-on burqa. That wasn't traditionally required. I've studied Islam. I've read the Quran. There's nothing requiring Muslim women to cover their face. They to cover their hair. This face business is a new one. And I think it comes along with the laws against domestic violence. The masks aren't for your protection, they're a sign of your submission. 
It's been used even before Islam. The Middle East knew you cover women and slaves' faces and you dehumanize them. It's easier to oppress them. You see, masks are more like muzzles. And they've got all kinds of good slave code. Cue here and wear the face mask. You've heard of the Pied Piper of Hamelin? Well, I think now you could put the face mask on all these poor kids being led off astray by this Pied Piper. It's a pandemic. Who would have ever believed that just breathing openly in public would be thought of as selfish and considered a crime? So the COVID cult, how do you brainwash people into a cult? You isolate them. Then you force them to conform. If you want to come out of isolation, you've got to conform by wearing a mask. You indoctrinate by repetition. And you use fear and trauma. So when I was growing up, and a youth leader, they would throw us all in the back of uh, open bucky, but now they've got to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Wear a mask. Remain terrified, question nothing, stay home. I don't know if you've got it here. In Cape Town, we drive along, we see posters. If you're over 50, stay home. <laughs> you're like, really? The media tells you who you should love, who you should hate, what you should fear, what to think. I think the media is the real virus. So somebody asked the Amish why none of them have COVID-19, he says, because we don't have TVs. <laughs> so when you wear a face mask, you're actually decreasing your oxygen intake, you're increasing your blood pressure. It's not good. There's a lot of medical negative things that happen by refusing to have free access to oxygen. This is something that Florence Nightingale emphasized. Open the windows in a hospital. Have tall ceilings. Let fresh air come into the hospitals. It's not healthy to confine people and to force people to wear masks. People are going to get face rashes and all sorts of things. So if you ever feel stupid, remember that people are depriving themselves of oxygen to protect themselves from a virus that they're going to inject themselves with later. <laughs> and for a country which has killed a generation in the womb through abortion, but tells us to wear masks to save lives, how can we take them seriously? If they want to save lives, they'd ban abortion, just for starters. If masks actually worked, they would have been banned, just like hydrodoxychloroquine. France forbade women to wear masks or veils in public for multiple reasons, including not to obscure your identity and to maintain responsibility for actions and accountability for behavior. And there's different sorts. That's acceptable, but and that's acceptable, but not those, not the, not the burqa and the niqab. And so, are we back on our way to getting Western women to wear the veil? We're heading that direction. Facial recognition, much like number plates on cars and trucks, are essential in a law-abiding society. Facial recognition, that's why I have closed circuit TV cameras. Do you know what South Africa's law and protests say? I read it just recently. The law passed 996 governing protests. It forbids the wearing of masks at any protest. I'm sure that's so people's identity can be determined in the event of irresponsible action, call them to account for what they've done. So when I'm asked why I'm not wearing a mask, I say, because I'm protesting. And the law forbids you to wear a mask if you're protesting. <laughs> Crime seeks anonymity. And you'll see Antifa. There's the signs. 
they've always gone for wearing masks. Well, how convenient now that everyone's forced to wear masks, how easy for Antifa terrorists to do their dirty work. There is a need for courage, integrity, and steadfastness. The cultural mandate of Genesis 1 verse 28 and the Great Commission of Matthew 28 are being stifled and suffocated by lockdown regulations. We need to unmask the truth behind the masquerade. They need a crisis to enforce the new world order. This is the goal. It's like a Trojan horse bringing in, in the guise of coronavirus precautions, new world order, martial law, police state. Socialism. It's a pandemic. It's no accident in America's election year, all this nonsense has been going on. It's all political. Create a virus, have lockdown, force people to go cashless, install 5G, create. Do you know what RFIDs are? Old. Bill Gates has put billions into nanotechnology, which is a small microchip that can be injected in you. So, for example, the ability now exists that as you are injected with something, they could not only be injecting a vaccination to you, but injecting you with a nanotechnology microchip down needle, so you are chipped and can be tracked. Now, they can also at the same time be harvesting your DNA in the same action. So they've got your DNA on record, they've harvested your DNA, they've injected some foreign substance in you, which may probably be bad for your health anyway, and now you can be tracked with a chip, a nanotechnology chip. This is very disturbing. The technology exists, and Bill Gates has put billions into vaccinations and nanotechnology. And he, you know, Bill Gates wants to depopulate the world. He said the world's overpopulated, we need to bring the world under one billion, and then ultimately under 100 million. Now there's 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet, so what does he plan to do with all excess people? Well, it just so happens that the person who's trying to make everyone get a mandatory vaccination is doing it because he wants to extend your life expectancy. But his ultimate goal is to bring down the world's population. I think these are irreconcilable positions. Conflict to loyalties. This is worth a whole another lecture. Let's leave that right now. It's a racket, complete racket. Do you know that there are, the CDC, for example, the Center for Disease Control, actually gets billions of dollars every year from uh, patents of, their patents of vaccines. They've got over 20 uh, vaccine patents. And so the pharmaceutical industry doesn't create cures, it creates customers. They own the patents of 20 vaccines and it makes $4.6 billion from vaccines every year. So the Center for Disease Control is not an independent agency. They're a seller of vaccines. This business, of forcing people to get mandatory vaccines is extremely dangerous. I don't like it. And I just think of Revelation 13, anyone who wants a one world government, a one world economic system, a one world religion, and they want you to have some kind of mark where you can't buy or sell, it doesn't feel right. It looks extremely bad. So, let me go past all that. Here's a man who made the COVID test as the pandemic's the greatest hoax ever perpetrated. Well, the news is fake, the history is fake. This is worse than George Orwell's 1984. Socialism grows as Christian independence declines. As long as people are slaves within, they will demand slavery in their social order. Socialism is still devoid created by Christians.
This could not have happened in a world inhabited by the pioneers and the foretrackers. This is happening because we've got a bunch of slaves. When they said flatten the curve, did you know they were going to use a hammer and sickle to do it? This started in China. This is the Wuhan virus. But you know, China might have created the virus in a laboratory. They've actually got a book that came out in 2013 saying, we need asymmetrical warfare. We had war with the United States and the West. We need to use viruses and bacteriological warfare in order to fight. We can't fight them openly. Their military is too strong. And so we've got to use economics and we've got to use viruses. It's worthwhile noticing that while the coronavirus has killed hundreds of thousands of people, the communist ideology has killed over 69 million people in China and 100 million more worldwide. The biggest virus, the most dangerous virus, is communism. A mental virus, an ideological virus. The greatest killer in all of history has been communism. That is the real virus. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they've practiced deceit. The poison of serpents is under their lips, whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. United Nations. So, a conspiracy theorist, a person who researches a subject, uses logic and critical thinking to form an educated opinion instead of just blindly believing what they've been told on TV. The real conspiracy theorists believe that the government cares about them, the media would never mislead or lie to them, and the pharmaceutical industry that makes billions off their sicknesses wants to cure them. If you believe that, you believe a lie. The madness will end when we say no. Professor Martin Luther said, if I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition, every portion of the word of God except precisely that point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, then I'm not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing him. For where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefront besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. And to encourage you, here's over a million people in Berlin marching against the masks and against the coronavirus. Did you see these pictures? No. Unter der Linden, Brandenburg Gate, a lot of resistance. There is no doubt civil authorities have greatly overreached themselves and have exceeded their authority when they've infringed on the essential activities of employers and employees, on economic and agricultural enterprise, and the fulfillment of the creation mandate and the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. No government has the right to interfere in the cultural mandate of the great commission. We must obey God rather than man. So, any questions, any comments? Yes. I remember at a meeting in the beginning of the pandemic, we saw this horrible news about Italy and all the orphans standing there, and yes. we saw the massive graves in America and all the people in the hospital. And that is what made me a little bit scared because I thought it's coming to us as well. Yes. And that didn't happen. And then I was asking myself questions, what is going on? Do you think this all played, these films, these movies, these news? I think it is fake in the sense that it's misrepresenting situation. Now, that's not to say that some pictures may have been real, but you know, 
there's a zoom lens and there's a wide angle lens. Now we've tried to look at the wide angle lens, but they've used a zoom lens. So we could have done the same zoom lens looking at farm murders, which is far more real, or TB or cancer. We could have looked at a whole lot, but they, why did they focus on that and why did they show those pictures? And there are Italian doctors who've said, not a single person has died of the coronavirus in Italy. They died of, and he went to all the different things that died of. He said, coronavirus was the least of their problems. These people who died, died of a whole lot of other reasons. But it was misrepresented as corona. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't live in Italy. I can't say. But what I'm concerned about is many of these doctors who said things like this get deplatformed, get censored. If they're wrong, prove them wrong with facts. But when you have to censor it, truth does not fear investigation. So I've got to assume that when they're making laws and crushing any other opinion, that they're lying and covering up lies. Yes? What can we do to stop this madness? And secondly, how can we resist the vaccine becoming impossible? Right. It's very important for us to resist with information. Be informed. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Be interceding. And, I mean, this is a spiritual war, and then be involved. We can all do something. I think this weekend, this meeting, this presentation, film, uh, it's all part of it in helping people to, to think their way through this. So, when someone offers you a vaccine or pushes it, now, normally, they should sell their product by convincing you this is so good you want it. You want to buy it. To force it, I'm suspicious. If it's so good, why is it mandatory? Because... You don't have to force everyone to eat ice cream. You know, people choose to go out of their way to get ice cream because they like ice cream. You don't have to, if this vaccine's so good, people will be beating out your door for it. Why do you have an indemnity clause against uh, getting prosecuted? So, the first question when you're offered a vaccine is, what is in it? They are legally obligated to tell you what's in it. You know, like you've got, you buy something from a pharmaceutical company, open it and it'll tell you exactly what's in it. And what's the contraindications? This vaccine could cause paralysis, blindness or death. Oh, okay, gee, give me one now. Uh, and that's what a lot of them have. Next question you could ask is, does this include any aborted fetal tissue? And it does. They have used aborted babies, fetal tissues in the production of these vaccines. We have got uh, films where experts, including the people who produce this, have been asked before Senate investigation committees, do your vaccines con contain uh, aborted fetal matter? matter? Yes. We had to experiment on them. Yeah, of course. Uh, and they're the people producing it, not Christians. These are the people actually wanting you to take the vaccines, admitting it. So once you get to know some of what's in it, there's a lot on there about why you should be highly suspect about any mandatory vaccinations. Again, I'm not saying no vaccinations would ever be acceptable, but any mandatory vaccine is highly suspicious. And anything coming from a eugenics depopulation person like Bill Gates, <laughs> I would never want a vaccination from Bill Gates. Do you know Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's banned from India? Because they experimented on the Indians and caused the first parliamentary investigation in India's history. They found tens, no, not tens, hundreds of thousands of people 
are permanently physically and mentally damaged in India because of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation vaccinations. It's caused such a national outcry, they've been banned from the country. And the Indians claim that the Gates Foundation was using India uh, as guinea pigs. Well, I've heard people in some countries in Africa claiming, such as the Congo, that the Gates Foundation have used Africa as guinea pigs for their vaccinations. It's cheap and easier. They come and they give free vaccinations and then they sort of see what the results are. Oh, <laughs> it causes paralysis and death and blindness. And Oh, well, I suppose you've got to accept some uh, problems. Uh, but let's look at the positive. And this is apparently the mentality. They don't care. So I'd be super suspicious. And I've already seen now they talk about rolling out the vaccinations first for the poor countries like Africa. And you know why. It's experimental. So anything they bring, there are countries in Africa that won't let them in. And that's for good reason. Why would our government let them in? Well, have you all heard what happened with the president of Belarus? The president of Belarus became a whistleblower. Belarus used to be part of the Soviet Union. So it, it lies north of Ukraine and west of Russia. So Belarus president said he was offered by the World Health Organization $500 billion from the International Monetary Fund if he locked down his economy. He said our economy is worth more than $500 billion. If I lock down the economy, we're going to destroy more than that. And they said, no, but this is at your discretion for you to spend. So he made it known. And he said, we've been bribed to lock down a country. We'll give you this money if you have a hard lockdown. Mandatory mask and so on. Well, what did Cyril Ramposa say? Wasn't there a, what was that figure he spoke about? Isn't that interesting? 500 billion again. Now, it seems that all the countries have done the lockdown, and it's all the same lockdown from the IMF, they were offered that money. And I have just heard, learned today that Kenneth Meshu pointed out that when, uh, when Cyril locked down the churches, he offered the pastors who had locked down their churches money. And they were paying churches to lock down. Now, I've heard from others in America, you might have heard of Matt Truella, who wrote uh, on the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. Uh, Matt Truella is a friend of mine. I've visited him in prison. He has locked up many a time for Operation Rescue against uh, abortion in America. Matt Truella says that the churches in America locked down and they were given money to lock down. And they only started to reopen when the government money stopped coming. And he said, those pastors are not just traitors, they're whores. Taking money from a government to lock down your church and stop fulfilling the Great Commission, he said, this is spiritual adultery of a high order. And uh, if, if this is true, and I don't know personally, I'm just going on what the quotes are, if this is true, this is shocking, it's treasonous. They've offered governments money to kill the economy. And you know that money disappeared into government pockets. It didn't reach the people in need. So if that's true, it's the biggest acts of treason worldwide have occurred in this year. Other comments, observations? Yes. I think you will also know about John McCarter from California. Do you know about him? Sorry, say again. John MacArthur. Oh, John MacArthur, yes. Yeah, I listened often to him, and he says the same person page as you said. And then and he's not afraid to talk. And then he said in one of his sermons uh, also that the chance to recover is um, yes. not. And the dying is 
he has traditionally been a law and order man you obey the government no matter what and he's been an opponent of Operation Rescue and many others who disobeyed the government he would have been a critic of me for being Bible smuggler and so on so he's been Mr. Law and Order but even he reached his limit and said this is unacceptable he said we've got a congregation of 5,000 and we don't know sorry? 7,000 sorry, 7,000 and they don't know anyone who's got the coronavirus he said, this, this, is, this is a fraud. And then California, Southern California, no less. So that, and they've continued to be meeting now for months. And by the way, Donald Trump lent him his legal team to uh, challenge the lockdowns from his governor, as police chief and mayor and so on. And in the months they've been meeting, they say, nobody's contracted, we're not wearing masks, we're not social distancing, we're hugging, we're greeting, we're shaking hands, celebrating communion. Said, no one's got it. He said, this is a fraud. So good for him. And uh, he's shown the way that enough already. And, and they went on lockdown at first. And they trusted the government was saying what they were saying is true. But they couldn't, after a while, continue to believe the lie. Look, initially when people say, and they're experts, and this pandemic's coming, millions of people are going to die in South Africa, hundreds of millions of people are going to die in World War I. Well, you don't know. Maybe this is true. So we were cautious. I didn't really believe it ever. And, but... Okay, we went on the initial lockdown and we were cautious. I thought it's an overreaction. The government can recommend, but I don't see they've got the right to force you. If the government tells you that you're going to have a hailstorm or whatever, how can they force you to take this seriously or not? Uh, they can only warn you, and as free citizens, you should have the choice. Once they start to force, then I'm suspicious. But yes, so John MacArthur's church has not only shown the way, they've challenged and they've won in court um, uh, that th they've got the rights to open. So, good for them. And Any they other comments? They won the case, eh? because the government of California now said that's right. the pubs and the churches can be open. Yes. So, um, and, and it was Donald Trump's lawyers who helped him win that case. So, good for him. Any other comments or observations? You can see we've brought literature, newsletters, some books at the back. And if anyone's interested in that, if anyone wants to sign up on our emailing list to get updates, uh, please get that. Tomorrow morning we're meeting again and we're dealing with weaponizing words and toxic terminology and the UN agenda with abortion and um, a whole lot of other things, Magna Carta. So, uh, hand over to you, Greg. Thank you.